Welcome to another episode of Pipeline Foods Into the Weeds podcast. I'm your host, Anders Gerda. We've got a good series of conversations here, so let's get right into it. It's spring, and like most springs, the rush is on. In some states, crops are already mostly in the ground, while preparations are underway to get rolling further north. This spring is also different than any we've ever experienced. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and COVID-19 has affected our lives in ways that we may only be beginning to understand. In this time of isolation and busyness, we wanted to do our part to support connection. So let's take a road trip to hear about how the season is shaping up for farmers around the country and to take the temperature, if you will, of how farm families and the communities they live in are reacting to COVID-19. This episode is one of seven in which we check in with growers from Missouri on up to Canada. So hop in, buckle up, and let's hit the road for this special spring 2020 series of Into the Weeds podcasts, Road Trip Edition. Jason Charles is one of the co-founders of Pipeline Foods and is currently vice president of food ingredients. But unlike the other co-founders, Jason is also a farmer. He was born and raised on a 12,000 acre organic farm in Southeast Saskatchewan that he still helps to run. He's worked as a grain merchant for many years, first for a couple of the bigs and eventually starting his own organic marketing company, Charles Commodity Consulting, which was one of the first purchases made by Pipeline Foods. Today we talk about how the season is looking north of the border and how COVID-19 is impacting Jason, his farm, and Pipeline Foods. We'll also look forward to organic market trends. Last stop on our road trip, it's been great traveling with you all and we hope to see you out there, in person, in the real world, before too long. Hey Jason, good morning. Thanks for taking the time to talk today. How are you doing? Morning, doing really good. Thanks for uh, thanks for the call, Anders. Absolutely. Uh, so I know that you're based here uh, around Minneapolis. You're, you're outside, um, but you you know you obviously are are one of the the originators of Pipeline, uh, and so have been here for a long time. But you also do uh, farm with your dad up in Southern Saskatchewan. Uh, so maybe let's just start by a little update on where things are going. I know that you're, you're here, but maybe you can talk a little bit about maybe why you're here and not going back as well as what's going on as far as field operations in your area of Southern Saskatchewan. What does that look like up in Canada? Back home, uh, my folks and I, uh, turned 12,000 acres of organic, uh, well, conventional land into organic farm, Mm -hmm. uh, back in 1995. And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we've been growing ever since. Um, adding land, losing some land, that kind of stuff. Net of it is still 12,000 acres. Um, being it's uh, April 17th or 18th here today, we are just getting started. So two mm-hmm. weeks ago, uh, the we just uh, we were just starting to get out of, out of permafrost and um, equipment service. Land's bearing off. We still have uh, we still have some frost in the ground, but here within uh, 10 days, we will be out in the field pre-working, um, doing low spots, getting things ready to plant, getting the seed bed ready. And it is going to be as hard as one can go, given the year we had last year with, with moisture. It's going to be as hard as we can go through June 1st. We've got a really short window. 
year over year, it is essentially April 25 through June 1, and that is all the time that we have to get, uh, get ready and get a crop in the ground. Yep, and just so for folks who maybe are living in Ohio and don't know exactly what you guys are, are growing in southern Saskatchewan, what are you what are you hitting hard? What are you going to be putting in the ground here? Uh, Western Western Canada, for all intents and purposes, is uh, it's Montana. So mm-hmm. we're in the southeast corner of Saskatchewan. We're wheat farmers. That's what we're really good at. We've got a short growing season. Average frost date is September 13th, year over year. Um, our crop rotations that we do is spring wheat, all classes of wheat. So it's spring wheat, soft white, durum, brown flax, golden flax, yellow, green peas, lentils, chickpeas, rye, barley, and oats. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just kind of what we we as a farmer do in western western or Western Canada, with wheat being the largest of of all commodities. Got it. And I know that you guys uh, didn't have the easiest fall, as a lot of people didn't. So, are there still folks getting uh, getting crops off the ground this spring? Yeah, a lot of folks, uh, whether it's standing or uh, laid down in swaths, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of gr- a lot of crop that did not get harvested last fall. Uh, we're included in that. We still have two thousand acres of wheat sitting in windrows mm. that we swathed, and two weeks ago. Western Saskatchewan, Southern Alberta started combining. Um, actually, quality is pretty good. Yeah, we got some feed oh, wheat, but, that's the, great. but the yield, yeah, the yield is still there. Canola still looks good, grading a two and a three. But uh, here in the next, hopefully, week, we got some 60-degree weather hitting us here starting today. And uh, we're going to get out. We can get the 2,000 acres off in four or five days and uh, get in the bin. It's going to be organic feed wheat, but uh, that's still worth good money if it's 60-bushel wheat. So. Better than nothing, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Good. All right. Well, thanks for that update. Uh, and what we've been asking folks as we're taking this road trip around around the U.S. and now up into Canada is to address what everyone's talking about, which is COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. Um, wondering if you can just give us an update on how it's affecting you personally, and then if you have any thoughts on how it's affecting the industry uh, largely. Well, as a farmer, um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that affect uh, the general public and different companies and, and from a global perspective. But uh, as a farmer and as farmers, you know, we always have plenty to worry about. Mm-hmm. But regardless of what's going on that day, the next day or the day previous, it's uh, one thing is con- it's constant and, and we have a job to do every day. And regardless of, of what the atmosphere is, we make sure we get that job done and that's uh, get a crop in the ground and get a crop off. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've never failed in, you know, the, the last 120 years and I don't guess we're going to fail this year, but, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, from, so from an agriculture farming perspective, not a lot of impact, but that doesn't dismiss the impact that grain companies such as, you know, pipeline foods or the ABCs, you know, have to go through We're you know, we're, we're, we're critical business and uh, we have to make sure that we run and run safely and run at capacity. Demand is big. Um, food and feed has to be produced. Animals and humans have to eat every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from that perspective, it's just really management. It's managing permits and certifications and export and import and, and vessels availability containers and and uh, so there is there is that aspect that has increased our diligence along with safety. 
but from a grower perspective, it's business as usual. And as, as one of the co-founders of Pipeline Foods, I'm wondering if you could just uh, tell listeners what Pipeline is doing. Has anything changed here as far as uh, our, our logistics, our storage, kind of what, what we're looking like from an operational standpoint? Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, um, not excluding safety and concern for mm-hmm. our employees, partners, growers, and truckers. But um, we are, you know, doing everything we can uh, to make sure we are meeting and exceeding the demand, working with growers and our and our partner logistics companies, and, and just making sure that every day we're able to suffice. And, you know, whether, you know, you, you certainly don't want to look at, at COVID as, a, as an opportunity, but what it is, is it creates the opportunity to show how we've grown as a company, whether it be policy, uh, safety, mm-hmm. foods, food safety, logistics, demographic and geography of where we have our facilities to make sure, you know, it, it's an opportunity to show that what we built works in almost all circumstances. Uh, and I, I know that just from a kind of day-to-day standpoint as well, that take our Hope Minnesota facility, for instance, I know that that's, those doors are closed, uh, but that doesn't mean there isn't business running. It just means we're being more careful about human-to-human contact. And so contracts and and uh, bills of lading being passed through windows instead of from, uh, you know, from person to person across a counter. So there's also just those those small efforts to, to make sure that we're taking our part of physical distancing as well. Yep, absolutely. Um, and the, the I guess, large question that people are curious about, uh, and Mercaris, I know, just did a webinar about this that we can link to in the show notes, but uh, do you think there's going to be any impact on organic markets coming up? I know that there's already a, a evidence-based uh, impact on conventional commodity markets as well as obviously animal protein, you know, pork, pork processing, Smithfield. That's a story everyone knows. Um, but what about organic markets? Do you see any effect up or down? Uh, we're certainly having a short-term bump and whether it be short or midterm, you know, at one point, you know, it's uh, we're today as pipeline, we're not in food service or the restaurant business or, or the, the, anything of that nature. So it's really, you know, farm to table type stuff. And, and uh, so we're seeing a short to midterm bump just based on demand. And, uh, you know, I think, I think at one point um, we will begin to see a modest slow uh, versus uh, maybe into, into Q4 versus what we're seeing today, just as things level off and supply chains get filled up and warehousing gets filled up and we get back to a sense of normalcy. Um, we may see a, a modest decline versus what we are going to see through August. That makes sense. The, the way that I think about this is that, you know, customers are, are hoarding, right? So just the, the average consumer is going to a store and loading up that, that one cart, two carts. I know that I, I have done it and try to go, you know, week, two weeks without having to go back to the store. Um, but in the same way that we're doing that, companies that are making the products that we are then going to the store to buying also have to hoard because they're seeing them fly off the shelves. But in the same way that, you know, most Americans now have uh, a bunker of energy bars and macaroni and cheese uh, on a shelf somewhere in their basement, 
you know, that means that they're stocked up and that was a bump for those companies, but they're not going to have to go back to the store for another month to be able to do that. And that, that kind of is a way that I think about that slowdown that you're talking about is, yeah, that, that looked great for those, those companies, but that means that, you know, people have 40 boxes of mac and cheese <laughs> and that, that can be yeah. hard to work through. Yeah. And the, the, you know, the, the fulcrum or the balance point to that is, you know, going forward, there will be a new reality, however that looks. And for our business of, of raw food and ingredients and feed, what the, the balance to that is families are, are eating three meals a day at home. Mm-hmm. And, and that is probably going to tip more that direction than previous going forward. Right. As you know, I, I think we've, as a, you know, one thing in the last six, eight weeks has, has taught the world is, you know, uh, we can, uh, we can, we can live and be happy and staying at home and, and, uh, still, you know, and stimulate the economy, go out and spend money. But, uh, you know, maybe we have other hobbies other than going out to eat. Yeah. Well said. Well said. I, I actually just went to the co-op last night needing a little change of pace, decided to go to a grocery store, uh, that I, that is a little bit further afield. Uh, and I picked up a, a lot of our customers products and, and I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have picked up that many, uh, you know, if I weren't at home with, with my family, you know, trying sure. to, uh, trying yeah. to stay healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll end, uh, with the question that I've been asking everyone, which is obviously we're in somewhat challenging times as a society. People are being affected to varying degrees, good or bad. Um, but I try to end on a, a high note here. So I'm curious what you are most excited about this season, a new tool, a new technique, a new crop, new opportunity. What are you feeling excited about? You know, I think every year as a farmer, um, what gets us excited is is learning from last year and the year before. And it's, you know, every year is completely different. That's certainly not new. But uh, learning from what we what we did last year and, and putting that uh, those learnings to the tests this year, environmentals aside, um, you know, in the organic space as a farmer, um, I get really excited about what we can put into the ground, putting mm-hmm. more in, taking less out. And, you know, last year on a, on a mass scale, um, through utilizing some, some different organic fertilizers, we were able to add a point of protein to our, our wheat crop and mm-hmm. a 20% yield bump. And that's really exciting. That's so can we do, can we do that again this year? Very cool. And so that, that, that was uh, pelletized chicken manure. Is that correct? Yep. There's uh, no better organic fertilizer than, uh, than organic uh, poultry litter. If you oh, want uh, And that, that's a relatively new thing in your part of Canada, right? So in the, in the upper pin Midwest, where a lot of those barns are and those, those chicken houses are a little bit more common, but in, in Canada that hasn't been a, uh, a kind of through line or an option that's been available to growers until, I mean, you and others started to bring it up there, right? Yeah. So two years ago, um, myself and, and my family uh, did all the diligence to get poultry litter pellets approved in Western Canada. One, to get across the border. Two, to get utilized as organic mm-hmm. fertilizer. And it was a complete game changer. So down here, obviously, there's a lot of birds. We don't have the birds in Western Canada. But down here, a majority of the litter is raw. And if you put down raw litter, one, you can't haul it because you can't make any money hauling water. Right. But two, just for the nutrient content, you have to put on, you know, my, uh, I have a brother-in-law in Missouri. He puts on 4,500 pounds per acre of raw litter. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
ourselves and land will change but we put on a thousand pounds of pellets and that thousand pounds of pellets will give us 50 pounds of n 50 pounds of phosphorus, 22 pounds of potassium and five pounds of sulfur not to mention all your micros yeah. so yeah. it's a big game game changer it's a multivitamin Got what mm-hmm. you need. cool yeah and so i know that you spend a lot of time on the road going back and forth between minneapolis and saskatchewan uh could you uh play us out on what you normally listen to is there a go-to song uh a podcast what do you, what do you listen to when you're spending all that time in the truck well, this is going to be really boring uh, to hear, but uh, the radio doesn't come on, and I stare out the front window, the side window, and uh, I can get a lot of thinking done in 10 hours. Pure silence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we can end in a reflective silence. There you go. That's good. All right, Jason, thanks for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. Always good to connect. You too. Thanks, Anders. You got it. You can find Pipeline Foods Podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast provided by, you guessed it, Pipeline Foods. If you'd like to sponsor this podcast, get in touch. We'd love to share your story with our listeners.